No, you know, um, it's funny to think about movies, you know, because we, you know, we can't go right now to the theaters. I miss but, it so uh, much. I know. But, Me too. And, and, and it's funny to think even like I'm, I would just, at this point, I'd probably go see anything. <laughs> if it was Your safe, you know, if the, if the theater was open, I'd just go. I'd, even if it was something I didn't care about. Yeah. Uh, I was considering going to a drive-in to see um, some horror movie that I'd never heard of. And it was a double bill. Awesome. It was that and Bloodshot, that Vin Diesel movie. And I'm like, oh these aren't going to be good movies, but I just want to do the act of going to the movies, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I've done that, you know, in the past where you go, well, I've been drugged to something that I didn't want to see before and ended up loving it. Uh, I did that with, uh, I mean, I was much younger, but uh, it was back in 84 and uh, my dad was out of town on a business trip and my mom and my sister wanted to see Amadeus. And I was like, I do not want to see some stupid movie about some (laughs) stupid composer. (laughs) And I ended up making my mom take me to see it five times. Oh, my God. Again, 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 again. again. (laughs) I mean, like, I got the soundtrack. I got the soundtrack and I loved it to the extent that when the Orange County Register, uh, published a critique of it saying it wasn't a very good album because it only had short pieces from the longer Mozart mm-hmm. pieces. I wrote like a really long letter to the editor about that, yes. how messed up that was because it was too many great, notes because it was a great introduction to the music, which then made me go out and say, Oh, I like this piece. So I would go out, I went out and bought the full piece, you know, on cassette tape and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow you know and it became one of my five most influential movies you know oh wow that i talked about on my old podcast so uh yeah, i love that movie i love amadeus yeah, yeah I've, I've um i've never seen amadeus really <laughs> i've never seen it either oh, my gosh. <laughs> since 1984 you've Thankful. had plenty you of so time <laughs> <laughs> well it's on my list I'm Elisa Gonzalez, and I have seen Amadeus. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I had not seen Amadeus. I'm Bethany Brinton, and I have seen Amadeus. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I have seen Amadeus. I'm Joe Myers, and I have never been rocked by Amadeus. And this is it's on my list. So I, it's it's pretty bad. But anyway, I, uh, I was looking up just trivia about this movie on IMDb and wherever. But uh, this was released by Orion Pictures, which has kind of faded into obscurity. They weren't a huge studio, or at least at the time of making this movie, they didn't have a ton of money. It wasn't like one of the major studios. And so for marketing with their tiny budget, what they did was they cut together scenes from the movie over uh, one of Mozart's symphonies, but then they intercut it with like music videos and live um, live concert videos of like eighties rock stars, just like doing their thing. <laughs> and so like, like someone, like someone in Amadeus, like it shows him like running down the hallway or whatever. And then it shows like 
the Beatles running down a hallway or something. So it's trying to compare like Mozart to like the rock stars you know yeah. and love. It's oh my he god, was the rock star of it's his day. Very not good. <laughs> I, I that sounds great to me. I, I don't I've know. never heard of that. that I know. To me, it would make more sense if there were more of like a, a little plot to the video, but it, it seems so lazy. <laughs> like someone's like yeah. scenes, songs, we just, we just rock need stars. Something go. Together. Don't worry about it. Get it out there, right? <laughs> The, yeah, the, I meant to go for it, and yeah. If, the interesting right. thing is, I had read a quote from the director of Amadeus, Maybe where he's he, yeah, he specifically called out MTV culture for the reason why, um, when the film was originally re- released, it was 160 some minutes, and uh, when they released it later, the director's extended cut, it's 20 minutes longer. He said, "What we we couldn't expect these MTV generation kids to watch a three-hour movie about classical music, oh, so they made me cut twenty minutes." And he said, "But why not add the twenty minutes back later?" But but oh. we can expect them to watch two hours and forty minutes of it. That makes yeah sense. yeah that's I don't know if that's a good <laughs> argument there, Miloš. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I, I, this movie came out in 1984, so this was out at the same time as Ghostbusters, my all-time favorite. Beverly Hills Cop, Buckaroo Banzai. Like, this was a, a really year. good movie year. <laughs> wow. Like, this is my ultimate movie year. Uh, yeah. And I just, I, for, I loved this movie so much that my Aunt Sarah Lee, for <laughs> Christmas, I think it was, gave me the VHS of this movie, and the VHS's for this movie, for a lot of like, I don't know, a lot of the high end movies, I guess, uh, were like $80 at the time because they were what? sold at that oh, price wow. for the rental houses, right? She gave me that $80 VHS and wow. I could not have been more thrilled. I was like, oh my God, that was like the holy grail for me. <laughs> and I just I just had all these little notes I made about it just because this is a really big movie for me. Um, this movie... The Oscars in 1985, when this movie was nominated for everything, uh, that was the first time that the Oscars really meant something to me. Like now I have an Oscar party every year. I've been doing that for like 30 years now. But this was where that kind of started because of F. Murray Abraham, who I just could not get enough of in this movie. Yeah. And, And I remember sitting... They're watching the Oscars, and when he won, I was like jumping up and down, cheering. I was like so excited, <laughs> and no movie I'd never done that before. You know, I was what like sixteen that year, and it you was were just invested. Like, yes, this was a serious thing for me. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, but it did win. It won Best Picture, Best Actor for F. Marie Abraham, Best Director for Milos Forman. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction Set Decoration, Best Costumes, Best Sound, Best Makeup. And then it was also nominated for Actor for Tom Hulse. Uh, Cinematography, which I cannot believe it didn't win. That went to The Killing Fields and Editing as well. So it was uh, was a big one, you know. But the... And it deserved its award. Yeah, I was going to say that a lot of movies that kind of... I mean, not necessarily clean up, but just win a lot of Oscars. You're like, you could have done without two of those, but all of those categories, I'm like, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's is, deserved. This is one of those like rare, really solid best picture winners, you know? <laughs> like a lot of times, right. like, man, I don't know. This one was solid. Let's talk about what, what, what the movie is about. <laughs> okay. 
uh, yeah, because you guys. Some guy. It's about Wolfie. Wolfie? Wolfie, yes, Wolfie. <laughs> uh, who wants to tell it? I mean, I don't want to I mean, overdo Wolf, it. Wolfgang <laughs> Amadeus Mozart, right? He um he's like a child prodigy in uh in music and piano stuff, huh? <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> Have you heard of this guy? He's crazy. <laughs> okay. But then um the what the movie's really about is Salieri, played by Ekmer Abraham. Salieri. 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 Thank you. <laughs> so Sally. <laughs> Sal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, His obsession. Yeah. Yes. yes. Raging jealousy. He yeah. he wanted to be, you know, the, the child prodigy. He would have loved to have, have had that, and he does not. And so he's a few years older than than uh than Wolfie. Yes. Like I, mean, six, I, think, I think in the movie they made him like six to eight years older or something like that. Let, let mm. me take a shot at this. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> please, God, please. Uh, <laughs> it's about Antonio Salieri, the court composer to Emperor Joseph II of Austria, uh, who, yes, had to work very hard to work his way up into the upper echelons. He came from nothing and he is, you know, he's in this position and then encounters Mozart, who he has been hearing about for a long time. Like you said, he was a child prodigy. His father, you know, made him that and has toured all over, you know, performing for, you know, uh, they mentioned once that he performed for Marie Antoinette and, you know, has been all over the place. And so he is going to come to, he's being invited to uh, perform for the emperor. And so Salieri is very interested to meet this amazing composer whose music is just so spectacular and he's walking through a room at this event where he's going to finally meet Mozart and he's looking at all of these really you know stylish upper crust kind of guys going will I be able to tell who he is does it show on his face this this talent my god this amazing thing that I think is so great and when he encounters him he's completely infantile <laughs> and and yeah just awful like just yeah a child basically an adult child uh and then he's like why would god give a creature like that this talent when i have been working so hard for it and praying so hard for it and making a deal with god that if you give me this talent i'll be chased i'll be all this and he gives it to that <laughs> and that begins his jealousy but also at the beginning, though, it, it isn't. It begins at the sanitarium. Yes, yes. at the asylum. The insane, insane asylum. Well, it yes. starts with with Salieri attempting to kill himself. Dogs. Uh, so it starts with him attempting to kill himself, and then he's in a sanitarium, and a priest comes to talk with him, and he basically listen to his confession. <laughs> yes, he and says he that he has. He was the one who has murdered Mozart. Mm -hmm. yes and so uh, so that yeah that's kind of the setup and and salieri uh narrates and presents it from his point of view the the story yes yeah yeah it's definitely salieri's story not mozart's even though we're learning about a lot about mozart mm -hmm. and it is all 
a fictionalized account of their lives and none of it. I mean, there are certain key things that they put in there that come from the reality, but the overall story is a fictionalization. Highly fictionalized. Yes, they did not, <laughs> yeah. they did not yeah. hate each other. They, you know, they liked each other and yeah. So, yeah. But and I a, didn't know that. <laughs> so halfway through this movie, I'm Googling, going, how did I yeah, not know Google this guy killed the movie, him? Joe. <laughs> I come had on. To. Hey, I didn't, I didn't know it when I saw it either. You know, I bought all that. <laughs> a lot well and yeah a lot a lot of the i would say a lot of the the traits to each character unto themselves were very researched or or at least based on some sort of reality like like mozart's dirty sense of humor like is widely documented in his songs <laughs> and letters he wrote to people including his dad um <laughs> the the laugh was kind of sort of taken from a few things that may or may not be true that's whatever um but salieri's love of sugar <laughs> is widely documented that he had a sweet tooth but in terms of like the relationships amongst the characters it's yeah it's very fictionalized in that regard but there is that kind of like base layer of this is what happened and and all of the all of the the operas you you see performed they they went back to the original staging um choreography and costumes if they were able to find those pieces and then uh i think uh, the don giovanni scene was performed on the stage where it was originally premiered so uh, i read that yeah that's pretty uh, amazing that's amazing mm -hmm. yeah being and filming in prague and yeah doing all of that and i it makes me want to go to prague i mean you know it's, it's really so, cool it's, uh, <laughs> you're lucky yeah <laughs> uh, I uh, so that. we haven't talked about uh wolfie is yes. played by tom holch Hulse. 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 I believe it's pronounced Hulch. It <laughs> oh, fight, fight, it's fight, not. fight. I read it I've somewhere. Never, I've never heard it said that way. Well, I've only I've heard, heard Hulse. It in my life either. Yeah. I think right, it's well. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to ruin your point there. Uh, uh, no, I I don't want to say his name wrong. I I actually thought I did a you know a little bit of research and found the right way to say it. So I'm 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 sorry, Tom. It might be the right Hulse. way to say his name, but he might say it Hulse. <laughs> but yeah, it, and it's interesting to see him in two very different roles. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> from Animal House. Yes. To this, yes. like wow. Yeah, yeah. But then after this, I mean, this was such a huge thing for the actors in it. That then after this, he kind of, I mean, he did a number of other movies and he's still out there, but it just Notre Dame nothing. is so good. <laughs> yeah, but nothing that really like was as big for him. You know, this yeah. was the ultimate role for him. I had read he went more into theater after this. Yeah, I read that too, Both yeah. producing and acting. So yeah. Which makes that's sense. one way. The, the another sense. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I, I had read was that, so this is, you know, adapted from like a stage production. Yes, which I have read as well cuz and I'm uh latest. Yeah, on <laughs> on on the stage uh that role was portrayed by Tim Curry. Yes. And then uh Mark Hamill. Mm -hmm. yes. And at one point they considered Mark Hamill for the movie but they thought, "Oh, you're too you're too Star Wars. We can't <laughs> We can't have Luke Skywalker like, in a yeah, Was it wig. wasn't it um I think I was reading yesterday it said it was uh was it Ian Richardson and Ian McKellen. Uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, yeah. yeah uh, originated right. Salieri. Yeah, Ian McKellen and Tim Curry and I was like, "Man, I would give so much money that to go back in time awesome. and see that." Oh yeah. god, I would love that. I don't I wish a recording of that existed somewhere to watch because holy cow. 
But um, very specifically, the director wanted Americans to play the the two leads. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting reading about it that I I had never known this until this viewing and and reading this that the all of the, the all of the German language characters were played with by Americans with American accents, and then the Italians were played with slight Italian accents. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting take. That's and, my only quit- criticism of uh, the yeah. movie is uh, Stancy's accent just takes me right out of it. Even when from the first time I saw it, I, I was wow. I just couldn't stand her, her accent. Her American accent? Yeah, I didn't. It, I have it, issues with her character too. And I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not. That may be it because I'm not sure I've ever been able to really put my finger on exactly what it is I have an issue with. <laughs> I yeah. have to say, I I really liked her character, and yeah. I was surprised that I did because I feel like a lot of these movies that are, you know, uh, biographies about men, the female characters get the heave ho, or, yeah. or something like that. I felt like she was very present in the story, and I I really liked that and her performance. I I appreciate I liked her more after seeing the the director's cut, but. A lot of her scenes, a lot of a lot of her well, one pivotal scene was not in the original. Yeah, um, right. and it kind of turned me it better, you know, in her favor that I liked her more. But uh, hmm. the original, there was there was much less of her, and I just it was oh. just yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I guess the, the more you cut out of her scenes, the the <laughs> the less likable yeah. she is because she seems just like she's harping about nothing. When it's like, ah, right. I don't know, there's yeah. a point. Like she's just <laughs> exactly. overreacting. Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, do you want do you want to go through just what those director's cut scenes are? I can I can identify those. There's only one, two, three. There's three, I think. Yes, three. One was quite lengthy, but. Uh, I mean, if people haven't seen the movie, might not get this, but still, just so you guys know for our conversation. Oh, no, four. I found a fourth. Um, so there was one. Uh, we have a scene where uh, the emperor comes to see Mozart's opera with uh, Christine Ebersol is the opera singer in it. And, it, and it, she's a woman that Salieri has been teaching, you know, and he is quite smitten with her, but he is chased and he doesn't, you know, pursue anything with her, but still she's his songbird as he calls her. And uh, so we, in the, in the theatrical release, you see this opera happen. And then the emperor comes to uh, congratulate everybody who's been in it. He gives the Christine Ebersol's character flowers. And then, uh, Costanza and her mother come up on stage, you know, and Costanza is Mozart's fiance at that point. And that, and that learning that really makes Christine Ebersol's character very angry. <laughs> and she <laughs> throws the roses at Mozart that the emperor has given her, you know, after the emperor leaves and storms off. But in the director's cut, there is then a dressing room scene with her and Mozart comes in and she's really angry with him. and. Salieri comes in and he and that's when he states that he knows that Mozart has had her. And then and then Costanza comes in as well. Uh, But then you get this scene of Salieri, another a scene of him uh, in the in the theatrical release. He takes a crucifix. Is that the one where he does it? Yes, I think that's when he takes. No, he's uh, 
I don't know. I think it was the crucifix scene where he throws a crucifix in the fire uh, because he's basically done with God at this point, and he swears to to block this creature that God has. Yeah, he. It's definitely head. after the um, the dressing room scene is where Salieri says that, if 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 he has had my you know my songbird yes i i'm gonna get this guy right and mm-hmm. he and so he makes a very clear statement at that point in this director's cut scene mm-hmm. that he's having really he started having really violent thoughts and he prays to god to send mozart back to salzburg for his sake and for mine and that's not in the theatrical cut he doesn't make it that clear that he's thinking violent thoughts it's a you you don't get that dressing room scene and then all you get is him saying this isn't cool god and he takes the crucifix off and burns it so you know he's gonna mm. he's yeah. got it out for god at that point but he doesn't so clearly state i'm thinking about killing this guy you know mm-hmm. so um and then you get another scene uh yeah so we have the scene where that's in all versions uh, where Costanza comes to Salieri, there's a a court appointment that that Mozart wants, but he has to submit, you know, his uh, what is the word I'm looking for? His works. works basically is he has to submit them for review, just like everyone else has to do to try to get this position. And he's like, no, uh, just give it to me. You know, that's not cool. You know what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Costanza comes to see Salieri, which that's one of my favorite scenes because of those candies that they eat. Yes. <laughs> the uh, wait, I wrote it to oh the ca- it's cap capezzoli de ve- de ven I can't even say it capezzoli de venere nipples mm-hmm. of Venus, which <laughs> I always thought was the first word was different, and so I've never found them, but now I have found recipes for them that I can't possibly make, but I need to eat these at some point <laughs> in my life. Because they're just so enjoying them, but <laughs> and it's at the ongoing thing with Salieri that he loves sweets. Um, but so she comes and asks him, "Hey, she brings Mozart's work, and she's like, would you look at this?'" But she says, "He, you know, I'm here of my own accord. He doesn't know I've done this. I need you can't keep these. I need to take them back. So he doesn't know I did this, you know." And in the in the theatrical cut, he's like, "You know, no, get out." Uh, well, he, he does. No, he says, that's right. He says, come back later. Yeah. One favor deserves another Mm -hmm. in the theatrical cut. That's it. And then later we get a scene of her being upset when Mozart comes home and she's crying into his arms because this was a Mm -hmm. terrible suggestion in this director's cut. She does come back and she just basically comes in and starts undressing for him because that's what he wanted. Right. At, at which point he just dismisses her and sends her home, which upsets her because he just, you know, and won't even look at the stuff because he was just doing it to uh, to hurt her and hurt Mozart, mm-hmm. which is rough. Big to me, we did watch the director's cut. The biggest part of that whole scene was where he found out that those were all originals. Yes. He never did copies. He hand wrote everything and there was only one of each thing. Right. Yes. Which isn't true, but that's okay. <laughs> uh. Stop it, Bethany. You're ruining it for me. Joe was going to ruin it anyway. <laughs> but then we have another one that's like a, a really big, lengthy section that wasn't in the theatrical release, 
Uh, oh, here it is. With the dogs? Yeah, yeah the so, dogs. Yeah, so Mozart can't go. <laughs> I could tell those did not belong there. <laughs> and then, yeah, that man has like all these dogs. <laughs> super loud and hounds. And he obviously cares way more for his dogs than he does for his daughter. Uh, and then Mozart's trying to play while these dogs are barking. It was a super annoying scene, like super annoying. Yeah. Which it was designed to be, but uh, but none of that is in the theatrical cut. And I thought that would have been better without it. Because uh, we didn't that scene didn't really do much. Um He does at, return to them later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which is the remaining director's cut scene where mm. he goes back to them very way later. Um he has very no drunk. Yes, very, very drunk. drunk. And he returns to the, the doghouse as I wrote down. Uh he looks he and in that scene I thought he really like they were really pushing the drugged out rock star look <laughs> in that moment, yeah. like really pushing it. And uh and he begs for work as an instructor again and then asks for money and the guy refuses to help him like just get out of here, you know. So that's the the extent, oops, that's the extent of the director's cut scenes that honestly, I mean, with the exception perhaps of the Costanza scene when she undresses for him, which I think increases the malevolence of Salieri. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think any of the scenes really needed to be there. So I don't, I was like, I, I prefer the theatrical cut. <laughs> that, and I, well, I think some of the opera scenes might have been like extended. Yes. I'm, I think I'm so too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think they were, but I, I don't know. They were as I recalled them, but it's been many years since I've watched it. So it's, distinctly possible yeah I, I i i like the edited version the the director's cut is a little bit longer but still enjoyable but but yeah i can yeah. i can <laughs> see the argument where yeah don't blame mtv milos just cut your movie right. Down. <laughs> right. well i mean it made me think about the apocalypse now redux or redo however you pronounce that one and where coppola added in all these scenes that he hadn't wanted to cut originally and for me, that turned one of the greatest movies ever made into one of the worst movies ever made. Like, <laughs> don't I, watch it. Don't I, do it. I sat in the theater with a friend and we laughed at the scenes that had been oh, added because they were so ridiculous and unnecessary. And we're like, what were you doing? So this obviously is not that, but still, it could, it can live without them, you know? Yeah. I agree. We'll be right back with more It's On My List. Hey folks, this is Joe Myers. When I'm not waxing poetic about classic and cult films that I should have watched ages ago, you can hear me talk all things horror on the podcast Macabre with my fellow co-hosts, Chris Duck and Jenny Duquette. Join us each week for horror-related news, movie and show reviews, film franchise focuses, director and actor spotlights, and much more. Podcast Macabre is available via our website, our Libsyn hosting site, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify with new episodes available every Monday. You can find us at podcastmacabre.com and follow our social media accounts on Facebook and under at podcastmacabre on Twitter and Instagram. So, bright friends, please subscribe to, rate, and review the show. And remember, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in it. How about a young Cynthia Nixon in this movie, huh? <laughs> what I didn't even she was incredible. <laughs> 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 She's probably one of my favorite like side characters in this film.
and I didn't even until, you know, just before watching it this time, I didn't even know that was her previously because it had been so long. And I was like, whoa. She kind of <laughs> has this um, this over-the-top reaction to, to Mozart getting deeper and deeper into the um the what was it the the funeral mass the requiem mass that he that he's writing and yeah. uh she's just like it's not right it's it's so wrong that he's writing this right no <laughs> well and he was, but he was getting a little you know crazy at that time with this because this looming figure that was frightening him now that's yeah this is this is interesting yes uh where uh Mozart's father comes to visit mm-hmm. um and Mozart insists that they all go out to a party mm-hmm. and it's just a wild weird party just a big yeah upper class or middle upper i don't know uh costume party yeah well it's a costume party Wild where one. where they're all acting you know a bit inappropriate a bit Musical chairs. Uh, yeah, they're playing unhinged. musical chairs. Yeah. 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 It's a little over the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, like yeah. the costume that the dad wears is like this big uh, black hat. Like, what? what is it? It's, it's like a, a mask with a hat and a cape attached to it. Yeah. yeah it's like it, but it's like a, hat. yeah, it's, but it's like a, a comedy like the, tragedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. The, yeah, so one side is happy and one side is sad. So when I saw that, I went, oh, this is the poster. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, the poster. I went, oh, okay, this is important. This is the poster. <laughs> How Andrew's brain is. That might come back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, the you know, the dad is very disapproving of this party. Uh, and of the, the way they live and everything. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. the money that he's spending and, and the, the way that they're living and he went to their home and it's, you know, they're sleeping all, you know, they're, they're rock it's stars. Filthy. Basically. Yeah, it's filthy. You and can't afford a maid. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Mozart's like, no, no, we're fine. Everything's fine. Who told you? You know, he's like, you, I hear you're in debt. He's like, who told you that? I, no, it's a lie. <laughs> Let's go well, buy horse masks. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Unicorn. <laughs> but he also, Unicorn. I mean, Mozart is like refusing to work. He just wants to do his little music things. And he's like, I'm the best. Everyone should just recognize that. You know, why, why, why doesn't everyone recognize that? So you've had, like, you've had a scene already at the opera, that opera when, when the emperor was there and gave it qualified approval with the famous line. It's, it has too many notes, too many notes. (laughs) Just cut a few and it'll be perfect. The amount of <laughs> notes I've received from clients. Oh. You, you don't know what you're saying, but you just want to say something. Right. I just go, right, too many notes. Moving on. <laughs> Which notes? I will remove them for you. <laughs> I have to say, I, I was struck at this point of the movie. I did not expect them to be portraying Wolfgang as a, a total jerk. Yeah. From the time he was a kid all the way up to now, he was always this monster uh, to the point to where I love the scene where he first meets uh, Salieri 
and he Salieri had made this like beautiful music for him when he was walking in <laughs> right. to welcome him. And Mozart's like, oh, that's cute, but you should do this instead. Here, I think it for you. <laughs> it can be improved. Try this. Yes, yes, that works much better. Right? So, like, <laughs> it, every turn, he was just a pompous jerk. I was. It took me a while to get into that character. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> it was fun, but I was. That's yes. what made me look him up. I'm like, is this like really? Was he really <laughs> like this? Yeah. Well, and there's. A, I had. I had noted a line because uh, Mozart tells him, "Yeah, oh, I, I loved your piece, whatever, but I wrote some variations on it." And he said, "Yeah," and so he's like, "Oh, that's you know, flattering, whatever." And he's like, "Yeah, a funny little tune, but it yielded some good things." Like, oh man, stop! <laughs> that's so cruel. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was cute. really it was bothering me so much. I'm like, I can't, I won't be able to enjoy the rest of this movie if I just watch it. And I don't know if he was really this way. I really <laughs> hope this was just artistic license. What, and then thankfully, I'm like, okay. You so <laughs> he, he was kind of, you know, broke all the time because he really didn't want to do piano lessons for pompous rich people and all of that. But he, he wasn't this bad. No. Right, right. So that made me feel better and I could just sit yes. back and enjoy what they were giving me. Yes. <laughs> but it did take me for a minute. It took me out of that movie. I'm like, I can't believe this. Like, <laughs> Why I, is this I think I'm supposed to like them, but I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Sally already killed them. Right? <laughs> totally justified. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, the emperor has his other famous line that comes up a few times in the movie. Well, there it is. Well, yes. There it is. <laughs> I just remember my family doing both those lines all the time after that. It was just Mine like, too, okay. yes. Yes. Absolutely. Too many notes still can come up. So. Oh, too many notes. <laughs> <laughs> Bethany definitely has a unique uh, outlook on this one. I, I I very much enjoy, yes, of course, I very much enjoy the the too many notes, the the, the back and forth of why do I have to do this thing? I don't want to. I just want to compose and write music. Composing doesn't, get, I think there's a line where, where his dad goes just like, oh, well, just composing isn't lucrative. I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so those little bits are kind of like funny here and there, but I, I love the, the even if it's not 100% accurate, just kind of the, the little glimpses into you see how he's writing and, and, and not from Salieri's perspective where he's looking at the music and going, wow, this is incredible and a gift from God, which I think is hilarious because whenever you see Salieri writing, you see him like praying to his crucifix or looking at him and say, grazie, father. Um, and it's like, that's not how... Just give me something. To, yeah, yeah, give me something. God, that's not how writing music works. You can't just sit around and wait for inspiration or for God to like pour something into your ear. <laughs> you just gotta do it. And so then I, I love the scene. It's later on, I think, when he's writing, he's scribbling out the, the the Requiem Mass, and it's like this very loud portion of it, and he's sitting on his table writing, and he doesn't hear the banging on the door. Yes, the music in his head is so loud. I'm like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> what's, what's happening? Oh. Okay. <laughs> yes, we will definitely have to come back to that scene because yeah. uh, that's a key one, I think. But uh, but we left off with that father thing, right? The, yeah, the, the, the father's the costume thing. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to draw the through line of the the yes. mask. Yes. Please because see. then, um, at some point, uh, his father does die. Yes. Uh, and I guess it's is Salieri using that knowledge to put on the mask and, and make him think that it's like the ghost of his father. 
Yeah, because yes. he knows uh, he wanted kind of to mess with him. Yeah, yeah, to hunt. He, yeah. He knows that he, you know, always wanted his father's approval. His father never approved of him, and then now he suddenly, God. you know, his father's gone, and and uh, so and yeah, he was he, there that night at that that party, right? You know, he where saw, he, when they so he, he yeah. recommends him to play Solieri, and he does, and he kind of paints him as a buffoon and he Solieri sees his father there too disapproving you know and he sees the costume that he's wearing and I think that's where it sparked the idea that um he could haunt him to you yeah. know mm-hmm. yeah to, so to his, madness then, so then his master plan in that is I will put this costume on and go to him and commission him to write a requiem mess for someone who deserved it but never got it so Mozart thinks this is his father's ghost saying, write one for me. You didn't write something for me and I deserved one. But what he's really planning to do with it is take it, make sure Mozart dies, find a way, a method of killing Mozart, and then present this Requiem Mass as something that he, he Salieri, wrote for Mozart upon his death. So he will get all of the glory uh, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he he comes back like several times in this yes. mask to yes. to kind of like continually up the ante, like mm-hmm. whenever he thinks he's like, I gotta just like uh, make him make him feel bad a little more. I have to really you know twist the knife in it. Right, because uh, he gets word at one point because he's supposed to also be writing this sort of vaudeville opera for an, for Simon Callow, who I adore in this movie. I who just, cares about a magic flute? Right. <laughs> that's a, one of the most brilliant operas ever yeah. written. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I got to see Simon Callow in person at a screening at the Academy, and I was just so excited by that. I think he played Amadeus in a stage production, actually. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. I read that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then they so they that's why they gave him like a at least a role in this, you know. Um, One of my favorite scenes is when uh, his mother in law is screeching at him, yes, and and you know, young me watching this the first time, uh, and how he in his mind he just like goes somewhere else, and and then that screeching turns into you know, (laughs) the soprano's voice, and I thought, oh man. This better win some awards. <laughs> so they just transitioned that into, oh, it's you know, and then it, 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 yeah, it was perfect segue into that scene. I, just, oh, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But so Salieri sees, you know, hears that he's writing this opera, this vaudeville, and he's like, uh, no, I'm supposed to be working on my requiem. So that's when he goes back again to frighten him into going back to working on that. You know, like you better be writing this or else. So. And then, yeah, even deadlines are a tale as old as time. And isn't he? He's already ill, right? So when he's performing that vaudeville, he collapses him. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he pays him his own money that was owed to him. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, in that conducting scene, though, they make him look so terrible, like so sick, like it's so convincing to me because he's like pale and sweaty, and Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, he's and (laughs) he was a little shaky at the the Don Giovanni premiere, which is kind of where Salieri got the idea. Yeah, so then, yeah, you have kind of these climactic moments when he does collapse and Salieri is there sort of, you know, Mozart doesn't know Salieri has come to see this vaudeville opera that he's done, but uh, but he's there. So he's like, put him in the coach, take him, you know, let I'll take him home, whatever. So he takes him home 
which Costanza has gone off to a spa with their son so to get away from him for a while. So nobody else is there. So you have a very ill, desperately ill Mozart in bed. And you, yeah, you end up with these scenes where he needs to finish this requiem. And Salieri's like, I'll take dictation for you. I'll, I'll help you. We'll write it. And so it's, it's Mozart then dictating. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the most amazing scene in the movie because you start, you get, you get to see these moments of Mozart creating. Well, and, it's, and it's, um, it's what Salieri had wanted the whole movie. Yeah. He wanted yes. to see that he wanted to be a part of it. Yes. And kind of the way that the, the movie portrays it where he, he has that look in his eye and he kind of, he gets it for a second and then he loses it and he kind of, he gets it back <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, yes, yes. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. He, like, too fast. You know, too fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. When he's always like, you, you go too fast. <laughs> I've read that Tom Hulse was um, mixing up his lines yeah. on purpose <laughs> to confuse him. him, to get that confusion out of him to, you know, say, I can't keep up, you know, what do you see? You know, and it, whatever he did, it worked. Cause that, that yeah, scene totally is just oh, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like that's the scene that really cements the greatness of the movie, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's during that dictation that, yeah, that then there's a knock on the door. So Mozart assumes it's that ghost again, that black-faced, you know, the black-masked uh, figure. And so Salieri goes to answer it, and it's just, it's Simon Callow and some of the cast, and they're there with his money, his receipts from you know half the receipts from the performance uh, but he has he'd already uh, mozart had asked salieri to ask the the figure for more money so he could you know mm -hmm. finish it and well, the, the, yeah because that was the impetus for the dictation thing he's like oh if you finish by tomorrow morning then he'll pay you double or something right <laughs> and so he, yeah so salieri comes back and is like oh he he gave you this like he doesn't say it's from the performance it's he lets him think it's from that figure and if you finish by tomorrow night, you'll get another 100. Yes, but then Costanza returns. And she's like, well, no, what are you doing? And locks the stuff away, which Salieri's like, no. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> well, and, and her reaction to Salieri being there is very good, given that in this director's cut, we see what he had done to her earlier. Yeah, yes, it makes a lot a more sense. Yeah, you get a way stronger sense of why she was upset that he was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She knew it. He. She knew he was up to no good. Right. <laughs> but then, but then they argue, and then they turn around, and Mozart's dead, which you know, <laughs> sad. Spoiler alert. You know. She said with much ceremony. <laughs> 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 but still, like even watching the movie and taking notes, which didn't allow me to get as emotionally invested in the movie as I have been in the past. Still, like, I mean, when I saw this the five times in the theater, I cried my eyes out at the end of this movie. And but still, I started to tear up at the funeral scene with, you know, this brilliant composer. And he's buried in this pauper's grave outside the city, mm -hmm. just an unmarked grave with a bunch of other bodies. And I, you know, and I had to double check that, too. And that is what happened. So. Uh, it might have been an individual it, thing yeah. and, as opposed to like a mass dumping, yeah, but, but yeah, and definitely it was, an yeah, unmarked grave. He did not yeah. have a ton of money. <laughs> Which was common at the time. Yeah. yeah. But still, it's a shame because you're like, no, he's this brilliant. And, but there is a marker there 
now they say so. He's okay, got so many statues in Vienna. It's fine. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and uh, speaking of Vini's people and statues at the, I'm sure Cheryl knows this, but for, for everyone else at that party when he's when he's jamming out on the piano and and goofing around, and they they cut away to that little boy a few times. Does anyone know who that's supposed to be? Do do do. It's supposed to be Beethoven. Right. Oh. Uh, the oh, ages really? line up. The the timings line up. Uh, Beethoven that. did end up getting his his work in Vienna, of course, much uh, much after Mozart. But yes, it's supposed wow. to be a little look at this guy. And there are there are a billion statues of both of them in Vienna. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if anything, it it if even if if you don't want to take it as Beethoven, the idea that you know there is a child who's watching him, mm-hmm. who being inspired. He, yeah. yeah. Because he was a child, you know, who was inspired by just, I guess, life. But it's just like he passes on, you know, the 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 want to be, you know, a composer. Yes. And so the the end of the movie. Um, so they wrap it, around the. Yes. The sanitarium moment. Now, are we to believe that this priest stayed all night long <laughs> yes. to listen to this confession? It was well, it kind of looks like he fell asleep you know, a few times. <laughs> but he was really, like, shaken by it at the end there. <laughs> I love that cut to him. Like, Are you kidding me? Right? He's like, holy. <laughs> As it were. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. But I, I took it as, yes, it was one long confession. I mean, he, he's there as long as he's confessing. So... Because the sun's up, you know, and the and the guy comes yes. to take him his uh yes. the aide takes him away. Yes, I think he has been there all night. That's that's his. What job. did he say? I'm the I'm the patron saint of um he of said, mediocrity. He yeah. says, <laughs> let me let me quote it for you. God destroyed his own beloved rather than let a mediocrity share in the smallest part of his glory. He killed Mozart and kept me alive to torture. Thirty two years of torture. Thirty two years of slowly watching myself become extinct. My music growing fainter, all the fainter, till no one plays it at all. And his, and then as he's leaving, he says, I will speak for you, Father. I speak for all the mediocrities in the world. I am their champion. I am their patron saint. Mediocrities everywhere. I absolve you, which he repeats a number of times. And then I absolve you all. And for me, that's part of why I I had it on my list of five influential movies is because at the age I was when I saw this, I felt that. Uh, I felt that really closely. Like I felt like a mediocrity. So to me, Salieri was my patron saint, which at the time, but now, now I use him as a warning not to be. <laughs> oh, so thank God. It has, yes. It has very much changed over the years. And honestly, watching it this time, I didn't even feel the connection as much as I did then, but that's good. Cause you know, we change. So. Yeah, and kind of ironically, this movie kind of brought back a resurgence in Salieri's music. Yeah, <laughs> well, people kind of dug it up and started to do some some of his operas and some more of his um, uh, like concertos and things like that. So, yeah. My question to you though is: Did Salieri kill Mozart no. in this movie, or was it Mozart? Oh, in the movie, like his drinking and being out in the cold and the decisions on what to work on and his spending. Did all of that actually kill him? Did he kill himself? 
or did was Salieri certainly didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he drove him to stay up all night when he should have been resting. And, you know, he probably, I don't know what he died of, if it was. He had the intent to. Yeah. <laughs> and he thought he did. So I guess. Yeah. Especially when he was in bed and, you know, Mozart's like, can we just please just rest? He's like, no, no, no. I can go on all night. Yeah, I, I, know. Know. <laughs> I, like, I really agree. need to sleep. He's no, like, no, just, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I don't care what you want. yeah so i i mean i still uh i still love this movie i still think it's it's not one that i can sit down and just oh i'm just gonna pop in amadeus because it's three hours long or 240 you know three hours for this version but when you do sit and watch it when i do it's so good still like so well crafted and just the acting is so spectacular in it Oh yeah. Yeah. It's one that, that I'll, you know, I can, you know, just skip around to my favorite parts or whatever, yeah. you know, pieces that I want to uh, just listen to again and, and, or, or even watching the performances. Cause I, I love the confessional. I love every Murray, F Murray Abraham performing underneath all of that latex, you know, when he's, when he's mm-hmm. aged, yeah. it's, he's still so able to emote, you know, and you could see his eyes are constantly weeping and it's oh he's just brilliant in this he really is yeah so that's i mean that's the thing with uh f marie abraham in this movie as well that he won the best actor oscar for this but then kind of you know nothing else he has done even though he's still obviously still out there nothing else quite comes up to this level although i think um the grand budapest hotel was a really great one for him that that kind of got more people yeah. see him again mm-hmm. but i've always been a little disappointed by that that he didn't it doesn't seem like he got to do as much as i thought he should get to do after this movie you know i wanted to see yeah more of what he could do and and he just wasn't in the kinds of things i ended up seeing i guess but or in those kinds of leading roles like that if you're i will say oh uh, sorry go ahead joe if if you guys are not watching Mythic Quest, Raven- yes, yeah. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was what like, should it? I mention it or not? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. He's oh, fantastic yes. in he, Yes, he makes that show. What is the what's well, the Joe? I can't show? believe I can't believe Joe watched Mythic Quest be- before seeing Amadeus because he's basically playing a jokey version of <laughs> Salieri. His character's name is C W Longbottom. <laughs> Yep. Of F. Murray <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> but he's the he is the inspired writer, the 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 lofty like academic in this um uh, video game World of Warcraft type of company. <laughs> it's very funny, and he's a he's an excellent comedic actor as well. He really is. Yes, you got to so. check it out, Cheryl. I'm sorry, yes, Cheryl. Think- you, I think you will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, where is it? Where do I find uh, it? Apple? It's on Apple. Oh, I can't watch Apple. I don't have Apple. Oh, there's that trial <laughs> oh, or, yeah, or just buy a buy a, buy cheap, a new phone uh, iphone you get it for a God. year for free yeah. cheap iphone a cheap iphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah exactly what did the the new watchers think <laughs> i think i was perhaps underwhelmed <gasps> i think okay. uh Marie <laughs> abraham was great loved him uh, and then the rest, you know, pretty mediocre to use his own words. <laughs> I uh, I kind of 
I don't know. I I don't know if it was built up in my head that this was something really like going to be a movie that would blow my mind. Mm. But uh, it definitely. I just went okay. That was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll kind of back you on that a, just a little bit because I I have heard everyone say like this is one of the best movies ever made. I can't go there with it. But I really did enjoy this. Uh, I like the director's cut so much. I do want to go back and watch the theatrical cut just to see which one I prefer. But I would watch the director's cut again now. I had so much fun with it because F. Murray Abraham is so good. And then Tom, whatever we decided his last name is, <laughs> Wolfgang is really fun to watch as well. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this one. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> years ago like i remember seeing the trailer for this in 83 84 whenever it would have come out before the, the movie was released and immediately young me was like oh period piece this looks boring as all hell i don't <laughs> want to see it and being completely ignorant of anything about mozart's life at all i didn't know he died young so in my little kid brain i always thought that movie was about F. Murray Abraham being an old Mozart, kind of telling his life story to someone right before he dies of old age or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't care about any of that. So I was like last week years old when I realized how young he was when he died. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like did a little bit of a, a, a deep-ish dive into his life. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Right on, right on. All right, so that part and being broke all the time was true. He was always borrowing money. Cool, 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 cool. But no, I, I, I did enjoy this one. And I didn't think the length didn't bother me at all. Like it flew by for me. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I was bothered by the length, but, you know. I, and and the, the odd thing is, I think I, I do like uh, period pieces, you know, in costume dramas. And even like citing like uh, this, this style of film, you know, they still kind of make it today. I, I, you could draw a line from this to um, the favorite. Oh that, yeah, that is is about you know people of that time, but they're kind of all acting in a slightly modern, anachronistic way, and and yet you know it it makes the story more interesting. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't. This one didn't connect with me. I think that it's such a, and I think maybe having seen it in the theater makes a difference, but. It's just such a beautiful movie as well. Just the sets and the using the natural lighting, the yeah, it was all know, naturally candlelight <laughs> and the sunlight and everything. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous to look at and the costumes, everything. I mean, again, that's why it won everything. But uh, yeah, I think it's a really well written, well acted, well directed, well costumed, well everything <laughs> movie. Uh, I would love to see won. this at Hollywood Bowl. Yes, me yes, too. Well, yeah, they yes. they were going to. <laughs> yes, I had tickets to it to see it this year. Yeah, at the bowl, I was so excited by that to hear it with a live score, you know, a live orchestra playing the music to the movie. And like, I was like, oh my god, that's kind of the ultimate. And yeah, so maybe in a year or two, they'll do it when we can. I'm go there. Back to the bowl I'll again. be there. Good, good. We'll all go together, except maybe Andrew. <laughs> no, he has Andrew's to our DD. Uh. You'll like it better. I think you'll like it better. Andrew's like, I gotta watch this sober. 
<laughs> I yeah, I don't I honestly don't think it was the three hours. I think I would watch it again, but I just don't think I'd recommend it to anyone. Just not your thing. Yeah, I don't think I could honestly say to someone like you must watch Amadeus. Like the it, it just doesn't seem essential like that for me. I understand yeah. it winning awards. I I yeah. like I said, F. Murray Abraham I thought was fantastic. But it and and that I mean to culminate in that scene where he is getting exactly what he wants as Mozart is dying and composing for him, that's such a great you know conclusion to that to that idea of that rivalry that mm-hmm. turns into a friendship that turns into a rivalry that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just I don't know something about it just didn't really click with me. I mean I can't say that I've ever said to anyone, oh my god, you have to go watch Amadeus, you know, but. Cheryl, I said it whole, to Joe. That's this whole movie. That's that this whole Joe. podcast. <laughs> I think I did put it. On, I probably did put it on the list that you need to see it. But I mean, it's not. But what I mean is, I don't. I don't. Uh, you know your audience. You know who you could recommend right. it to. Right, yeah. and it's one that I think everyone should see. But it's not one that I'm going to be like, oh, go do it right now. It's just going to be like, you should see this. So when you are in the, even for me, I have to be in the right mood for it. Mm-hmm. To be able to sit down and watch it and make the time investment and everything because, you know, it's not it's it's a bit of an epic. It's long. So you don't it's not just a go watch it right now kind of movie. So, yeah, I think it's and kind of speaking to what Cheryl was saying at the beginning where you you rushed out and you bought the soundtrack and you angrily wrote that letter to yeah. the <laughs> that critic. <laughs> I never got a response to that. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I got this weird distancing order in the mail. I don't know why. Some um, 16-year-old sent me a letter. (laughs) That was way way too long. Oh, man. I've I've definitely recommended this to all of my musical peers who have not seen it. Because anybody who works in music or at least has gone to music school or has taken a basic music history class and whatever high school or college you, you hear the name mozart <laughs> uh and as as a horn player he's kind of like the the horns patron saint because he's written a lot of like really great <laughs> really great entry-level horn concertos and then a lot of like more intermediate level horn concertos and you look at his symphonies and you look at his operas and look we got to sing his requiem mass in school so you're kind of surrounded by mozart all the time and honestly you it, it is like at least for me it was this weird like love hate relationship with it where it's like okay they're beating us over the head with this guy like what's the big deal (laughs) we get it he was good okay can we move on and it's like no he kind of (laughs) invented a lot of what we know about music (laughs) and so this is this is like our our classical nerd rock star movie where we're like yeah and 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 again like to to the the lay i don't mean this like demeaning at all but like to the lay person who hasn't gone through all those classes you can watch this movie and you can watch that scene and go wow this is this music's really cool I really like it. It's like, yes, it's, it is cool. <laughs> this is what we're trying to tell you. <laughs> well, it made me, after watching it, I was thinking, I was sort of comparing it with Rocket Man, the Elton John movie. Oh, interesting, also, yeah. Also very fictionalized, but based in real things that happen. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of, you know, the same idea. You know, I guess we can call him the Elton John of his time or Elton John the Mozart of our time. I don't know. But uh, that might be pushing it. But... That'd be uh, Franz Liszt, but I won't get into okay. that. Okay, but, <laughs> but I don't. thought it. Thank you. I thought it was. I thought there was some parallel between the two movies, which was just an interesting thought to me. Oh yeah, I'll back sure. you up on that because we just watched Rocket Man uh, Sunday. I love that movie so much. I love it so and much. It, it, it would make a great double feature. I think. I was going to say. I think Cheryl has a type here. 
<laughs> I do because I, because I have moved Rocketman onto my list of five movies and of you know influential movies, and so yeah. What got think, bumped? What got bumped? Uh, well, <laughs> Ghostbusters. I, I, yeah, Ghostbusters. Just because <gasps> it's still my all time favorite. But oh, I was joking. It really? was Ghostbusters, but because it, its influence was more just in you know, words I say, like quotes and t-shirts I wear all the time and stuff. It wasn't as much a deep influence for oh, like okay. who God, I am, God. you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I think, I think it, if I were going to do my list again, I think it would bump Ghostbusters. But, wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when I get my new show started, you'll hear more about Rocketman. <laughs> if I ever. <laughs> I'm going to say what a cliffhanger and then you gave it that kind of post note of like well if it Sorry, ever I will do it it's just you know if I can ever like record in person again yeah or, Every, or get, everything's on a bit of a delay it's okay Cheryl or get my get my home set up to a point where I know it's not going to cut out on me constantly you know <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that Cheryl <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll have, as the other person who hadn't seen it, I would say I would recommend this to people if I knew they were into music, like Bethany was saying. Uh, I don't know. A lot of my friends who are like into sci-fi stuff or horror, I probably wouldn't be like, hey, you know what movie you really should see? Amadeus. <laughs> yeah. But if I knew it was kind of in their wheelhouse or maybe something that like it might spark an interest with them, I, I totally would say, hey, check it out, because I think it was pretty good. Uh, so I, I would recommend this one and say give it a watch if you've not seen it. I'm Alisa Gonzalez and I can be reached on Twitter at this Alisa. I'm Andrew Lindy, and I do a couple of other podcasts, one of which is Nothing New, a remake podcast where every month my co-host and I talk about film remakes. Uh, and you can find that at bandviewnetwork.com slash nothing new. And I do another show called uh, The Official Dunstan Checks In Podcast. Yes, that's what it's called. Don't ask. That's what it is. It's the, <laughs> the podcast breaking down the 1996 eight film minute by minute. And every minute we pair with another feature film. Uh, we're running out of Dunstan minutes, and that is a blessing. So go <laughs> go listen to that it. madness <laughs> at uh, bandpnetwork.com slash Dunstan. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. I am Bethany Brinton. I'm a musician and composer. You can find me at Bethany Brinton on all of the social things. Uh, and we are It's On My List. You can find us at It's On My List Pod on most things like Patreon. If you come give us a dollar, you get to hear some behind-the-scenes stuff of our silliness during recording uh we're also it's on my list pod at twitter uh gmail if you just it's on my list pod at gmail.com and facebook uh tweet at us instagram us tell us what biopics you like tell us if you've seen amadeus uh tell us what classical pieces you like tell us what other classical composers should get their own biopic i'm cheryl jones uh i have five years worth of movies made me podcast for you to listen to you can find that at mmmpodcast.com and please uh, follow at MyCore4Pod on all the social media. And at some point, I will have that show up and running. 
I am Joe Myers. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatJoeMyers. I'm also the co-host of a horror podcast called The Podcast Macabre. You can find us at PodcastMacabre.com. Find all our social media handles from there and listen to us wherever you get your podcast. And this has been It's On My List. <laughs>